concern the dollar, but ultimately dollar's still in trend down. Toby, thanks very much indeed. Uh, have a great weekend and have a very happy Christmas as well. We'll talk to you again in the new year. That's Toby Lawson, the CEO of Societe Generale in India. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this week in Australia. The ASX 200 is uh, currently off about uh, three quarters of a percent. Stocks sliding a little bit in Japan, down about 0.1%. Over in South Korea, the Cosby is up a quarter of a percent. And looks like now the Hang Seng is going to lose about 100 points at the open this morning. Brent crude oil is trading at $51.63 a barrel. Gold right now is at $1,885 an ounce. Fairly quiet in the currency markets. The US dollar is at 103.2 Japanese yen, but the British pound is coming off a little bit. It's trading at about $1.35.5 right now. Thanks very much for listening this week. Do have a great weekend. Join me again on Monday morning at 8 o'clock. Back chats coming up with Hugh Chiverton and Danny Gittings right after the news. The weather forecast, mainly cloudy, rather cool in the morning, dry with sunny intervals during the day. The maximum temperature is going to be about 19 degrees. Temperatures will fall again over the weekend and on the winter solstice with morning temperatures of about 12 or 13 degrees in the urban areas. Uh, it's 15 degrees right now, 73% relative humidity. Here's the 8.30 News with Samantha Butler. Hong Kong activists, including former lawmaker Nathan Law, have appeared before a U.S. Senate committee to appeal for Washington to speed up refugee status for political activists fleeing the SAR. American lawmakers are still debating a bill that would make it easier for Hong Kongers to settle in the country. Mr Law joined the discussion via video link from London. It is much needed for the democratic communities to provide safe exit to these politically persecuted protesters in Hong Kong. The UK and Canada, as the previous speaker has mentioned, have adopted measures that allow millions of people a pathway to citizenship. This is a signal showing how severe the situation in Hong Kong is. The US should take reference from these experience and implement measures to help the people in Hong Kong. The United States has merged its travel warning for Hong Kong with that of mainland China, urging people to reconsider visiting both places due to arbitrary enforcement of local laws. The State Department said since a national security law was imposed in Hong Kong, Beijing unilaterally and arbitrarily exercises police and security power in the SAR. It said a Chinese propaganda campaign falsely accused individuals, including American citizens, of fomenting unrest in Hong Kong and published personal information resulting in some people receiving threats on social media. It also urged caution over the spread of COVID-19 in the SAR. A panel of experts in the United States has voted in favour of granting emergency approval to Moderna's coronavirus vaccine. The US Food and Drug Administration is expected to authorise the use of the vaccine today. Here's the BBC's Anthony Zerka. A group of independent experts issued their recommendation for emergency authorization of the two-dose Moderna vaccine for all Americans age 18 and up. The vote was 20 in favor, with one abstention. In clinical trials, the vaccine has been shown to be effective at preventing the COVID-19 illness in 95% of patients. The first vaccine for COVID-19, manufactured by Pfizer, was approved last week and began distribution on Monday. A similar speedy process is expected for the Moderna injection, with almost 6 million doses ready for shipment as early as next week. 
The departments that manage the United States nuclear stockpile say hackers have gained access to their networks. Officials at the U.S. Energy Department and the National Nuclear Security Administration say they found suspicious activity in various federal agencies. The attacks are part of a massive cyber campaign. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverson, your co-host today, Danny Gittings. Danny, good morning to you. Good morning. Today, the big question, what is happening to Hong Kong? Is it a reset, a correction after years off course? A final reckoning for colonialism, perhaps? Or an authoritarian crackdown? Is one country, two systems, alive and well? Or dying? Or dead? Will Hong Kong become less free but more secure? Will it regain its international image? Does its future now lie firmly as part of the Greater Bay Area? Is it significant that a new political party is emerging now? Email your answers and questions to backchat at rthk.hk. You can call us, join in the conversation, 233-88266. Or you can comment on our Facebook page. That's Backchat and RTHK Radio 3. And don't forget, we are looking for nominations for our Backchat Person of the Year this week. We're going to start uh, voting sometime next week. And we will carry on uh, until the uh, new year, until the first programme of the new year. Uh, but for now, just your suggestions is what we're looking for for our Backchat Person of the Year. Uh, Sarah, uh, in an email, says, Dear Bakshan, I wish to nominate Chanshuk Kwan, so that's another nomination uh, for her, uh, uh, for her tireless efforts and devotion to duty through the ongoing pandemic. At her near-daily briefing, she is always a calm voice of science and reason, a government official who inspires trust and who exemplifies the very best in public service. Vic says, I'm a regular listener, intermittent contributor to your discussions. It's heartening to see some balanced views on Backchat in the midst of the current political atmosphere and self-censorship. In relation to your nominations for Person of the Year, I would like to nominate the Unknown Cleaners of Hong Kong, who have constantly worked in the shadows and contributed immensely towards the safety and security of Hong Kong and its citizens. Be it during the unrest last year or the pandemic this year, as underpaid, underprotected and underappreciated individuals have made a great contribution to society at large. Three cheers to them. That's from uh, Vic. Uh, and Eric says, my suggestion for Personality of the Year, the 110-year-old Fanling Old Course. It's an amazing 110-year-old uh, Hong Kong asset. Holds tournaments like the Hong Kong Open for over 60 years. Uh, people say it's only for a few, but just under half of its golf is played by non-members and it reverts back 100% to nature every single night of the year. And the government wants to take it back to build super high-rise and fancy villas. A real case of what Joni Mitchell called in her song Yellow Taxi, the paved paradise and put up a parking lot. My second suggestion is RTHK Radio itself and especially Radio 3, which is the Dane I listen to in English. That is from... Uh, Eric, thank you very much indeed for that. Um, yesterday we were talking about the issue of uh, uh, asylum seekers and non-refoulement. Just a couple of uh, thoughts uh, on that uh, from Chris, first of all, uh, who says improving the judicial system may not be very much addressing the, high, the issue of high cost for handling the non-refoulement applications. Instead, a more comprehensive preliminary screening should be introduced to shrink the cost. For public safety, criminals and potential lawbreakers should be screened out at the beginning. As for the remaining non-refoulement claimants, we understand that fleeing to Hong Kong might be their last resort for a better living. Simultaneously, we have our rules to find the fit claimants for the public safety and interest. I don't see why we have to change the fair system just to cater the claimants at the expense of the others and uh, uh, 
Chris says, uh, this is uh, regarding uh, comments. This is, uh, I think, uh, a different Chris. This is confusing, isn't it? Okay, regarding the comment made by Chris Shedd at the end of the programme, that, that's about uh, sentencing, uh, sort of inequalities in sentencing in different cases. Uh, I don't think that the three court cases are comparable. Uh, actually, no other court cases or judicial results would make a fair comparison to the others. Each case is unique, and there are many factors affecting the decision of the judges, who we acknowledge as competent people under the current system. And Mary says, on those comments on sentencing, the much-lauded legal system here places far too much emphasis on the importance of property and far too little on the impact of actions on both the physical person and his or her psyche. Examples of the ridiculously light sentences for incidents that result in death and disfigurement of victims. Many serious road accidents incur many months of imprisonment and the derisory fines handed down reconstruction fatalities are shocking. The most appalling failure to ensure justice for victims is the decision to terminate investigations into the Lama Ferry disaster. But damage to property that is after all repairable and replaceable unlike harm inflicted on human lives, sensibilities and good health generates heavy prison terms. And then we have the appallingly low entry level for bankruptcy. Uh, legal system is in need of reform, but unfortunately those pushing for it are seeking to further restrict the rights of the community instead of ensuring that minor damage to property is no longer considered to be criminal, that the impact of in actions on individuals can be handled in a manner that places human life and dignity on a superior level to mere material damage that can be put right for a price. Those thoughts from Mary. Our guest in the first half of the show, George Calfoli, who's former vice chair of the Hong Kong Democratic Foundation, uh, Emily Lau, former Democratic Party lawmaker, and we hope to be joined shortly by Alan Zeman, the chair of Lang Kwai Fong Group. Uh, good morning, uh, Emily Lau, let's go to you first. Good morning. Uh, now, what do you make of this new political party, uh, the Bauhinia Party? There's been a lot of talk about this week, and we're beginning to see some uh, suggestions that uh, some members of the uh, pro-establishment camp are a bit worried that they think um, uh, Beijing might be deciding to replace them with this new party. Well, of course they should be worried, and uh, I think the whole of Hong Kong should be worried. Uh, what we are hoping for is for a uh, a diverse society where there is competition, where there is freedom and security and compromise and where people can reach consensus on major controversies and then let the society go forward. But I don't think what's happening now is heading in that direction at all. And uh, many people think, rightly, that this Bohemia Party is backed by the Communist Party. And uh, so uh, they are not going to tolerate uh, free competition, argument, debate, and then fair elections. So it is very, very sad. But why, and, why, but, why do they need it? They've got lots of political parties in Hong Kong already. I think they want a veneer of uh, one country, two systems. Uh, but they are fed up. Uh, with the, uh, the very ineffective and ineffectual pro-government uh, camp. And so they think that they can do better. And of course, they are right in being fed up. And we are all fed up anyway. But uh, I don't think they can do better. If, and, uh, okay, if it's, if it's a veneer, who's, for whose benefit? Who, who would believe that? They hope the international community and uh, particularly the financial sector, uh, believe that we still have the rule of law, we still have one country, two systems. Uh, but, of course, I think people are not, not that stupid. When they see 
that there will be no fair elections. Uh, people who really want to stand will be disqualified and only people approved by the Communist Party will be allowed and others may run along as, uh, you know, a show. And, and so, but, but, you know, I think in a way, Beijing still wants some people to believe there's one country, two systems. But you, you have to have the actual qualities before you can say, ah, this is one country, two systems, and not just a fake but, but again, uh, you know, who, who's that Who's that for? For whose sake is that? International business, do they care? Do they honestly care whether there are open elections or not? If there was a, I've, I've I mean, spoken to some people. If they can make money. Been, some have been very frank. Some international, some people from the international community say, yes, business people, the top concern is to make money. And they still think that is the thing. So, well, let's lie low and try to get rich. But others are saying, well, you know, an independent uh, judicial system is very important. And uh, if we are going to be seen that um, uh, the foreign judges on the Court of Final Appeal will resign and uh, people know that, you know, the, the courts are no longer just and fair and objective, some may think that, wow, gee, this is not the place I want to do business in. So, um, so anyway, I think Beijing may still have some idea of keeping this shadow of one country, two systems, and hope people will say, oh, no, Beijing has completely broken its promise. But let me tell you, some people from the pro-government camp, politicians, they've said to me, they said when they meet with Hong Kong officials and mainland officials, people from different parties, all told them that, you know, don't think that now it's very quiet, very secure because of the national security law. In fact, many Hong Kong people are very, very unhappy, and many are very angry. So maybe they're waiting for the moment to burst. So even the pro-Beijing camp politicians understand that. So I hope the Bohemia Party, the liaison office, and people with Beijing in Beijing also get this message. Okay. A couple of emails. Uh, well, we asked the question, what's happening? Alan says, what is happening is an authoritarian crackdown. The reason is Xi Jinping. In a dictatorship, the state reflects the personality of the leader under Deng, who actually encouraged diversity and was famously unconcerned with doctrine. Uh, we had a chance to preserve our culture as long as we performed economically. Now we have Xi, who has written his philosophy into the Constitution, who allows no dissent anywhere, whether Xinjiang or Hong Kong, who would raise Hong Kong before allowing two systems. The only hope for Hong Kong is to survive longer than he does. That's uh, Alan's take. Uh, Mike says, uh, is Hong Kong over? Oh my goodness, I've been gone for a while. Come back and you're asking the real questions finally. Granted, you may have been asking for the past three months. If so, forgive my ignorance. While you're at it, if you might as well ask the really big one, how much longer will the present CCP, as it stands, hold out? You know that at Chairman Xi, declaration of chairman for life, his friendship list got a bit, got a lot shorter. This has to be part of first question. That is from Mike. We're also joined by George Calfley, the former vice chair of Hong Kong Democratic Foundation. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so what do you make of uh, where we are now? Well, I think um, the infrastructure of one country, two systems, of course, is still there. We have our... Uh, independent judiciary, we have our uh, independent immigration and um, customs and uh, various other things, financial system. But the software is extremely groggy. 
Um, and so, uh, I mean, I think we've got to a stage now where it's one country, two systems, almost in name only. Um, and the question is, um, will everything fall apart completely, or is there some way in which we can uh, get some reconciliation within Hong Kong? So it sounds uh, like you think that there's at least a possibility. You said, will everything fall apart completely? Uh, you're, you're looking at the possibility of one country, one system there. Well, uh, yes, I mean, uh, 2047 could bring that. <laughs> um, um, or perhaps it could come earlier. But I think at the moment, uh, we've not got quite to that stage. I mean, we're, we're in a pretty low position. Um, but I'm a, you know, I, I tend to be an optimist. Um, so I try and search around for ways in which one can uh, make the way back. Um, but I'm, I'm somewhat uh, concerned that under our present chief executive, um, there is no dialogue. Um, this is not in her nature. Um, so we may have at least another two years when there's very little we can do to try and resuscitate one country, two systems, because we can't talk to the chief executive in any rational way. Well, some people are suggesting now that she might continue for a second term. So you're talking about seven years there. Well, yes. <laughs> uh, that would be terrible. Um, fortunately, America's got rid of Donald Trump after four years. I hope we could do the same. What, what some people will say is that we've misunderstood, or a lot of people in Hong Kong have misunderstood one country, two systems. Uh, uh, and uh, Beijing has been indulgent. Uh, but really, uh, people have got to understand the reality. Have got to understand the reality of the of the power situation, the the politics of uh, of uh, Hong Kong. Um, do you accept that? I think, to some extent, yes. There's a lot of truth in that. I think our view of uh, one country, two systems. I mean, I think people go back to what Deng Xiaoping said was Hong Kong people ruling Hong Kong. Well. From the outset, we never got that. We got some people ruling Hong Kong and ruling Hong Kong in the favor of certain groups. Um, so, yes, I think people's expectations were something very different. And I think maybe Beijing kept its powder dry to see how things would develop, but they probably all along had some red lines, which if things got close to that, they would start uh, imposing their view of one country, two systems. Now, we're also joined uh, by Alan Zeman, the chair of uh, LKF Group. Uh, Mr. Zeman, good morning. Good morning. Uh, we've been hearing a lot of uh, very gloomy predictions here from our other guests that uh, One Country, Two Systems is at the crossroads and uh, we could go down the path towards One Country, One System. Do, do you share that view? Well, I mean, definitely it's at the crossroads. I mean, the, the One Country, Two Systems, uh, when Deng Xiaoping uh, came up with it, uh, I believe uh, in the 80s, you know, uh, it was something that uh, sounded like the right thing to put all the Hong Kong people at ease. Listen, one country, two systems has never been tried before with any country. And so this was uh, something that, that he had come up with. Later on, as you know, when there's new administrations, people have different ideas. And obviously, after 97, Hong Kong went back to China. You know, we are part of China. And, and uh, basically, uh, Beijing left us alone. China left us alone at the beginning. Uh, and, and many of the laws were just a pass-through from the British uh, administration before that just uh, continued on after 97. And uh, but there was a lot of confusion for, 
I think many of the locals and my Chinese and my Hong Kongese and my uh, and my British and my American um, and so and so we saw this dissent that happened last year and 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 uh, it actually was not Hong Kong I mean we never had this uh, I think China sat back and looked at it and was horrified with what was going on and uh, as was the rest of the world and and uh, in essence, uh, they came up with the security law, which uh, I know that was something that uh, many politicians around the world found a very good way to bash China. And, and in essence, out of 200 countries uh, around the world, 120 have security laws. I mean, Australia is just talking about a new security law, called something called surveillance law surveillance bill that uh, many people are against in Australia right now but it's nothing nothing new and of course uh, people started thinking oh, I, oh my freedoms are gone China doesn't want to change uh, our freedoms in Hong Kong basically all they want is stability we're seven and a half million people they're 1.4 billion people the last thing they need is protest because if that breaks out in China uh, you know it'll be uncontrollable and very bad for the world and so, in essence, they need Hong Kong to continue to uh, be the international face of, of, of China and, and, and uh, you know, the go-to place of the, the uh, administration, uh, getting uh, people from around the world wanting to do business in China and, and, and uh, people from China wanting to go to the rest of the world. We were the middleman. And that was always Hong Kong's role. And they want that to continue. We have the internet, the common law system. The, uh, China has a civil law system. We, you know, we have the rule of law, um, and the future for Hong Kong obviously will change because the Greater Bay Area, which not many people mention at the moment, but this is something that not many people mention. We hear it nonstop about the Greater do. Bay. Oh, so I'm sorry, I was speaking you up on that. We, you, you can't live in Hong Kong and not hear people talking about the Greater Bay Area. I don't. I don't listen to the radio. I'm not just talking well, about the radio. I mean, it's just even in no, school textbooks. It's in my, it's it my son's school's textbooks. What text I meant is it's not the everyday discussion, well, in my circles anyhow. But I'm just saying, in essence, we're more concerned right now with the virus. But uh, in essence, what I, what I meant was that uh, most people, you know, uh, the, for the future of Hong Kong, that is part of, of our future. 72 million people, 1.65 uh, trillion in, in, in GDP last year. And so uh, this is something now uh, many people are upset and, and, and uh, don't want to see change, whatever. But, I mean, if, if we look around the world, what system is correct? You look at the United States. That was the, uh, the big, the brand of the world. Everybody was, uh, was, was trying to get to the American dream. And, I mean, what the administration did, what Trump did in four years, was destroy that. You know, destroy I, th I think, I think. So, but, but that's, that's something that, you know, that, that uh, really, uh, I've looked at every system around the world. There is no perfect system. I mean. I, I think, yeah, uh, Mr. Zeman, if I could maybe, you know, I think the yeah. change from one system to another system uh, is is uh, is a problem here uh, because, uh, as you say, I mean there the, the very different systems in in Hong Kong and and the mainland, Correct. and uh, uh, we have got used to a system in Hong Kong, and we've got used to the freedoms uh, that they don't enjoy uh, over there. That you can't listen to but, this program, and you can't but, listen but to. Life, there are all but kinds their of life things. Has actually got. I've been there for forty years. Sure, sure, life sure. Has actually gotten 
so much better. All you have to do is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you, exactly, 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 exactly. Life has got better. And, and, yeah. and if life gets better, then, that, that, then you, can, you can cope with a lot. But in Hong Kong, if you take... The point is, if you take freedoms away, if you remove, but, but, if you remove really the choice... Away. You're not really taking away... Mm so much freedom. I mean, we have a law now, and I, I, people said, I was interviewed by foreign media a lot, and what do you get, aren't you worried about the security law? And I said, no. I said, they said, why? How come? And I said, because once I know what the law is, I, I don't plan on breaking the law, and so I live within the law. And, and if you accept that attitude, it's not just, you know, <laughs> I can go, I can be ridiculous and say, well, why can't you just go rob a bank, you know? It's well, let me, okay, statement, for example, okay, for example, the, the most popular, um, democ the most popular political parties uh, in Hong Kong have been basically decimated. They've been uh, made illegal, they've been put into exile or jail. Um, there's an example of a re restriction of freedom. But I'm saying, but the, the, my, my point would be the that... the law was that they, they were asked okay. to swear allegiance... Whatever, to whatever, yeah, sure, sure, sure. States, you know, you've got to swear allegiance to the flag every morning. The point is, when you take things, when you take freedoms away from people, people... Yes, there will be an adjustment period. No, I, I, I'm agreeing. We're, we mm. went from one administration, from British administration, to a Chinese administration, and obviously it's two different systems. Mm. And, and, and even people moving to, uh, to the UK or moving to the US or wherever they're going to move, or Australia, uh, they have different laws in those places. I've lived in Canada, I've lived in the United States. It was totally different, you know, mm. and it's even well, way, way different now. And so, uh, you know, and you've lived abroad as well. And so I'm saying to you that... that in, in essence, you adjust according to what the laws are. And if you don't like it, nobody says you can't pick up and leave. Let's go back to Emily Lau. I imagine you, you'd like to respond to some of the points you've heard. You've heard. Emily Lau? Yes, uh, well, <laughs> I think Alan, Alan is entitled to his views. Correct. But now, because of not just of the national security law, but the whole crackdown by Beijing and by the Kerry Lam administration, there is such heavy uh, self-censorship amongst the news media, in ac academia, amongst professional people, politicians. Uh, it, it is terrible. I think uh, maybe Alan moved in a different uh, sphere, a different circle, so he does not understand the fear of these people, the anxiety. And this is completely a Hong Kong that we do not know. And we did not expect the Sino-British Joint Declaration and the basic law to ensure such a fearful Hong Kong. And come next month, when the BNO visa is available, they're saying that hundreds of thousands or even more Hong Kong people will flee. And some will go to Canada and to Australia and elsewhere, seeking, seeking, looking for freedom and personal security and the rule of law, which is disappearing before our very eyes. Uh, Emily Lau, do you believe these reports that um, have emerged again in the last few days that China will strip Hong Kong residency rights from anyone who uh, takes up the BNO visa offer? Well, they, of course, I don't do anything out. They can do anything. And uh, m many of these people that they will strip the right up, people in the pro-communist camp, some people were just telling me the other day that those are the people who may be the first to go because they know them best. George Cawthorley, uh, is this a change that we've just got to get used to? Hong Kong uh, has changed in various ways over the centuries, of course, only where it does. And this is just another change. And, um, you know, it's just something we've got to accommodate. Well, I think uh, 
change is always going to happen. I mean, I think there will be change over the decades in China as well. Um, but it, it depends to the extent of the exchange, the change. And I think, you know, uh, things are getting to a stage where it's very difficult for people to accept some of the changes. Uh, um, I mean, uh, fortunately, I'm at an age where uh, I haven't got too long to go. So, uh, I George, you can live to 150. <laughs> well, well, uh, my objective was to live to 2047, which is only 105. Are you, are you uh, going to stay in Hong Kong, George? Of course, I was born here. I mean, uh, my We're family planning. have been here uh, for time immemorial. Um, I mean, Alan was talking about uh, the Greater Bay Area. Well, my great-great-grandfather had companies in Canton, Macau, and, and Hong Kong. That was the Greater Bay Area in the 1840s. It's not changed. We've well, always had the Greater Bay exactly, Area. Exactly, but you understand from a bigger picture, um, you know, yeah, things change in Hong Kong, and this is uh, this is will be this will be and, another change. I think but it doesn't it doesn't mean that they're palatable, <laughs> and for young people, it's very difficult. Um, and I think you know, we, we well, medicine some medicine like sometimes don't taste that good, but they uh, in the end you have to take them. Well, often they don't taste good, and they yeah. don't work either. It's just, just, just getting a quick question to Alan Seaman before we break for the news. Alan Seaman, are you going to keep your SAR passport? Come on, mate. A hundred percent. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have changed if I didn't have trust. I saw the changes in China. I feel very comfortable. And uh, listen, every country has said, U.S., if you're Republican or Democrat, look how divided that country is at the moment. I've got many friends there, and it's just a mess at the moment there. And so, you know, uh, this is the system. Uh, I, I understand some people are, uh, you know, have had problems and, and it's changed. And so some have left and some are bad-mouthing Hong Kong and really hurting Hong Kong people by doing it. I mean, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's not going to go back to what it was. Uh, change is, is for, in, in the future, the world is changing. We're in a world of, of a digital world right now, you know, and that's uh, is changing everybody's okay. life. Older people have a, di a more difficult uh, time with it, but... That's, that's what it is. All right. Alan Seaman, many thanks for joining us, Chairman of the uh, Lang Kwai Fong Group, too. Thank you to uh, Emily Lau, former Democratic Party lawmaker, head of the uh, Democratic Party, and to uh, George Cawthorley, former Vice Chair of the Hong Kong Democratic Foundation. Others joining us after the news at nine. I hope that includes you. Backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, email. The weather, mainly cloudy. Uh, cool this morning, dry with sunny intervals during the day. 15 degrees. The readings now. Relative humidity is at 73%. Moved last week and began distribution on Monday. A similar speedy process is expected for the Moderna injection, with almost 6 million doses ready for shipment as early as next week. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat this Friday morning with Danny, Bitting, Danny, Danny Gittings and me, uh, Hugh Chiverton. It's a very simple question today. What's happening? What's happening uh, in Hong Kong? What's happening to Hong Kong? Um, answers uh, on the phone, 233-88266 in an email, backchat at rthk.hk or you can uh, comment on our Facebook page. That's Backchat and RTHK Radio 3 and uh, share your thoughts there. We've got a couple of emails uh, on the subject of uh, COVID. Um, I think we'll return to that 
topic on Monday. So um, uh, apologies, but we will. Yeah. I hope they stay relevant. It, it is worth recalling here that on this uh, show uh, on Friday last week, uh, Benjamin Cowling and other experts predicted that the number of COVID cases would have uh, declined substantially by num- now, which hasn't happened. So that might be something to look at on Monday. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, we're also looking for uh, nominations for our person of the year. We're just looking for uh, suggestions at the moment. We will come up uh, with the list for voting uh, next week and then we will keep that uh, open. You can vote uh, online uh, and uh, we'll keep that open until our first programme of the new year. That's for our person of the year. Uh, Modelled basically on the, on the time kind of person of the year. Sometimes it's a serious, sometimes it's a bit more light-hearted, sometimes it's kind of deserving people. We've had quite a lot of uh, votes for Chan Shuk Kwan and, uh, and indeed for Benjamin Cowling as well for person of the year as well as uh, for David Webb uh, and others. So at the moment just uh, nominations and so we'll put that to the vote um, very shortly. Um, on today's uh, topics, uh, Andrew Kay says, must we listen, on Emily Lau, must we listen to her rants? Uh, any proof of people fleeing Hong Kong? On Facebook, uh, Bill says the exodus of 600,000 families, about 2.5 million people, has two demographic possibilities. I'll call in the morning and explain. Do that, Bill, quick. Two three three eight eight two six six. And uh, Nig says, what country, two systems? Never heard of it. Uh, and... Uh, Jay has a particular comment. When many people first started going to China for business, there were many problems with the translation because the Chinese translations had many meanings. Over time, the China business sector has begun to understand the translation and we have much better quality coming out. Now with the new law, we are installing a translation system that has many meanings that is confusing the system and making things worse. So we are going backwards. Thanks very much indeed uh, for that. And... uh, uh, one more comment. This is from uh, Matthew. Uh, sorry, Matthew, there's always a delay in getting your uh, emails. I, I have no idea why. Um, so sorry, that's why we sometimes don't coordinate with the guests. Uh, but Matthew's uh, comment is, uh, former legislative councillor Eddie Chuhoi Dick pointed out on Facebook that the new Bohemia Party is likely a vehicle to formalise and organise Hong Kong's underground CCP network and establish a one-party system. The 250,000 membership goal is six times the DAB's. They may well absorb other pro-Beijing parties, not compete with them. Uh, and uh, Matthew says, Alan, what do you think of the new Bohemia Party and its leaders? Uh, will you join? Maybe that's a question we can take up with uh, our guests in this part of the programme. Uh, and also an email from uh, Bowen, the email entitled The Future of China, the Future of Hong Kong. Bowen says, Serious China observers have expressed the belief that while it will be very difficult for the country to become a multi-party liberal democracy, it's much more likely that it will discover that it needs a sound legal system and an independent judiciary to run a modern state. If that is true, there is a strong case to be made for Hong Kong arranging its priorities in roughly the same order. Among this group of observers is the late Lee Kuan Yew, who in uh, September 1993 offered a vision of Chinese governance in 2150, presaging that China would have a comprehensive set of legal codes by 2035 and it would take another 20 years for her to achieve judicial independence. It's thus of utmost importance that in Hong Kong our own rule of law, and indeed our own lawyers, remain shipshape in the meantime. That's why the Secretary for Justice's latest assertions that her and the Department of Justice's statements on legal principles are always correct and represent perpetual truths ought to have raised some eyebrows. Her refusal last year to put into the extradition bill the guarantee of a fair trial 
and other safeguards for criminal proceedings in Article 14 of the ICCCPR, suggesting only an ad hoc approach of the government considering adding such safeguards to future rendition agreements on a case-by-case basis. Her refusal to do this when the public interest would allow no so-called flexibility over such matters is evidence that she failed to stand up for her role as the guardian of the public interest when it conflicted with her role as a government minister. Her widely reported position in the separation of powers debate juxtaposed against um, uh, the reasonable expectation that the local bars should have been able to count on her support over the bars, and indeed also the bench's position on the matter, is again evidence that she gave to her position as a government minister precedence over her obligations as a lawyer. Given this record and the imminent challenges in ensuring the application of the national security law will be fully compatible with fundamental common law principles, the Secretary for Justice cannot expect the public and the legal profession to accept on face value her apparently bare assertion of infallibility on matters of legal principle. Thank you very much, Bowen. Joining us now, we have Kent Ewing, who's a writer at uh, Hong Kong Free Press, of author on the, of, uh, on the Front Line, more on that in a moment, and David Dodwell, Executive Director of the Hong Kong APEC Trade Policy Group. Uh, once again, our email address, backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, Kent Ewing, good morning to you. Hello, Ms. Ewing. Hello, Kent Ewing. No, no. Okay, we'll we'll go to to David Dodwell there, Mr. Dodwell. Good morning to you. Hello, Mr. Dodwell. Nope, we don't seem to have either of them. Okay, okay we've got another email from uh, Mike. Has just uh, let me just uh, call it up. Uh, Mike says, uh, your call has been listening to the mainstream media for all of his information. You have to wait for January the 20th to see who the next president will be. Read the Constitution. January the 6th, the electoral votes will be counted. Seven swing states legislators reject Biden's victory. State legislators have the power, not the electoral boards and governors. Hang on. Trump was the only president in decade who followed the people, not globalism. Most Hong Kong people, Hong Kong elite want globalism and won't even recognise that the masses are screaming while being dragged down this road of elitism. That's from Mike under the headline, got rid of Trump, question mark. OK, I think we can uh, talk now to uh, Kent Ewing. Mr Ewing, good morning to you. Hi, hi. We we were not censoring you. Um, however, <laughs> I was wondering. Uh, I really had my fears. We would do it more subtly than that. Uh, you've been. Uh, I know you're a writer with the, with the Hong Kong uh, Free Press, as I mentioned. But you've, had, you've been having some pro- problems uh, publishing a book. T- tell us. Can you just tell us briefly what that uh, the circumstances and, and you know what the significance is? Why? Because we're looking at a big picture today. We're trying to talk about what's actually kind of happening in Hong Kong. What do you think your experiences add to that? Well, I'm a fairly small potato in the big picture, but I did uh, write a book. I was contracted to write a book in uh, mid-June by uh, Form Asia, a publisher and located in Central uh, with 45 years in the business. I thought I was in pretty good hands. Um, the, book, the book's topic was uh, Hong Kong's social and political development um, from 1997 to today, so since the handover. Um, the national security law came along um, shortly after I was contracted to write the book. I finished it, though, thinking that uh, I had not violated the law in any way since a team of lawyers uh, at Formasia read the book and gave it the all clear. 
But uh, when that, when my editor tried to uh, peddle the book to bookstores, he couldn't find anybody who would take it. He couldn't find a printer who would print it. And even the designers of the book asked that their names be removed uh, from the credits. So I'm still holding the book. I'm, I'm looking around for other publishers at this point and may have found someone in Taiwan. Yay! Uh, am I allowed to say that on this program? Well, say what? We'll find a publisher in, in Taiwan. Taiwan. Yeah, you, you can say. You are still allowed to mention Taiwan on this program, yes. <laughs> the island of Taiwan. Uh, so, um, I mean, so what? What, what? what do we learn from that? Maybe they just didn't like the look of you. <laughs> no, uh, I think, did you read, I don't know if you guys have read any of the articles that have been uh, written about the book, yeah. including one by me this week, but yeah. no, there are emails uh, quoted in those articles that state the reasons for not uh, selling the book. Bookazine was the primary culprit, as you probably already know. They just said they wanted to remain under the radar uh, uh, after the promulgation of the national security law. They didn't want to stir up any trouble. Yeah, it is in the Hong Kong still a free society. You can sit down and you can write an article about the, about this, and it gets published in Hong Kong. And, the, and you can come well, on here and now. And talk and you about can come it. on. You can come on a government radio station and talk about it. No, I think that's grand, and I hope that continues to happen after your government review. I'm a little worried about that. I agree. Uh, RTHK, uh, I think the last time I looked, was the most trusted news source in Hong Kong. And I hope that continues to be true. I'm a little worried about that government review of your programs, however. Uh, it's not what, a review of programs, is it, Hugh? It's a, uh, no, management. It's a management review. What, what do you think is happening then in, in, in Hong Kong? Uh, Alan Zeman said we are at a crossroads. Do you, do you agree? And if so, you know, what are the, uh, what are the options? I don't agree with much that Alan Zeman says because uh, he's in it for the profit, pretty much, and as long as that keeps rolling, he's okay. I don't think he cares much about the personal freedoms that uh, Hong Kong is famous for. Well, and he I gave up his uh, Canadian passport to, to take an SAR passport. He, he put it, you might say he almost put, he put his money where his mouth is there. Yeah, and he's got a lot of money. Okay, but it shows some kind of commitment, doesn't it, if you give up your foreign passport to, to yeah, take a Hong Kong yeah, passport? Showing commitment, I think. Yeah, when you write a book, you're showing commitment. We're still, we're all still here, just like. Well, you, we should point out you you did. Uh, I mean, the, the columnist has been making this point in the Hong Kong Standard. You did get paid for the book, regardless of whether it was published. I know, of course, the the the, the real the satisfaction is actually having it published, but you, you were paid regardless. Yeah, I'm thankful for that. I wish someone could read it. <laughs> so, I mean, so. What does it say in the book? What do you think is happening in Hong Kong? What do you understand our position to be now, and what direction are we moving? Uh, we're moving in a very frightening direction, I think, uh, increasingly toward authoritarianism. I don't even think we're moving. We're there. Let's bring in uh, David Dodwell, David Dodwell, Executive Director of uh, Hong Kong APEC uh, Trade Policy Group. And uh, David Dodwell, you've been in Hong Kong how longer than me, I would have thought. You've been to Cage, right? Um, I arrived in 78. Yes. So, uh, I mean, and this is a very different... You, you, you would agree this is a different Hong Kong from a couple of years ago, right? Uh, yes. I think uh, various people uh, over the last hour here have said how fundamentally uh, uh, Hong Kong has changed and continuously changes, and uh, I think it's right to assume that's so. And when you hear these stories, just like we think, can you, you explain that um, uh, he, he gets commissioned to write a book and then they, uh, they decide not, not, not to publish it, having already paid him for it? That, that's the sort of thing that um, is very difficult to imagine happening even sort of five, five years or so ago. Yes. 
I think my heart goes out to Kevin in terms of the book. I wrote a, a book on Hong Kong uh, published in 1997. Um, and uh, I must uh, say that, uh, first of all, nobody writes a book in order to earn money. Um, secondly, um, uh, the, the publishing process is tortuous and very frustrating. Uh, getting uh, uh, circulation for any publication is, is not easy. I know that he's faced a, a controversy around the theme and, uh, and the way he's approached it, but um, it, regardless of that, uh, let me assure him, it, it's a very frustrating process. A, publishing a book, the time it takes and the, the editing processes that are undertaken and B, getting anybody uh, uh, to, to take it to fill shelf space. Um, in, in bookstores. It's, uh, it's a problem not common to him. Do you uh, find the changes in Hong Kong, recent changes, frightening? Um, not in the way that uh, Kevin describes. And, I mean, let me go back to f what I see as four fundamental factors that are driving the, the uh, really awful last 18 months and have raised uncertainties about the future. Um, first of all, uh, we need to recognise that Right back through uh, 20, 20 plus years, right back to the uh, uh, post uh, Tiananmen, um, the, the Hong Kong community has been split straight down the middle. People talk rather glibly, particularly in the international press at the moment, about Hong Kong people. There is no Hong Kong people. It's a very bifurcated society. Uh, the, the data are very clear. It's about 45%. Uh, remain very uh, ardently um, uh, pro the outside world, pro the West, pro uh, the UK, um, and 55% um, uh, have basically said good riddance to you, colonials. Um, we want. Uh, we're we're can, proud can I, Sorry, I'm sorry, Miss Tobble. Can I just pick up there? Sorry, I know that's only the first of four points. <laughs> Surely the uh, the Letico results are exactly the opposite of that. Surely we Not you so. get. Uh, no, if you, if you um, no, uh, if the, you look, the, no. In, in all the uh, geographical elections since the handover, yeah. the, the Democratic Party have uh, and their allies have have gained around fifty-five to sixty percent of the vote. This was happened in the in the last um, district, uh, district council, council elections. Uh, yeah, they've always uh, had the majority. Um, the the the, uh, the data show consistently since. Uh, since the middle 90s anyway, uh, the beginning of the 90s, that the vote split. Well, we have a first-past-the-post uh, uh, system which, uh, which allows for, for, for numbers to get muddled. But uh, the, the split has fundamentally been 45-55. No, you've got it completely um, the wrong way around, Mr Dodwell. I'm, I'm sorry, I've really got to pick you up on this. Um, that's, that's really the opposite of the truth. Uh, can you? Which election are you thinking of? Qu no, quote I mean, me one, and I'll tell you the. Uh, I'll tell you the, the vote split. Well, I, I, uh, I'm happy for you to review them. The point uh, point is that there is an absolutely fundamental split that is right down the middle of Hong Kong. Society. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, right. Let's let's uh, steer. Let's call it 50-50. All right. Exact numbers, um, and. That's a, a split that is now. If I were a Chinese, if I were talking to the Chinese, I'll say to you, this reflects a fundamental failure. You've been running this place for 23 years, and you haven't moved the needle an inch. Why is that? They should have done. They failed. 
and uh, there ought to be introspection among the Chinese uh, sympathists and those on the mainland uh, about that fact. Nevertheless, that split remains, and it's a very fundamental one. It's uh, as fundamental as the split that we've seen in the U.S. over over Black Lives Matter, etc. It's uh, fundamental in the U.K. on the leave, stay, uh, Brexit uh, argument. Um, the second is that Hong Kong has suffered pretty much two two decades of quite difficult uh, recessionary uh, um, environment. We. Um, from the 1998 Asian financial crash through dot-com bubble crash, avian flu uh, in 1999 and, and 2000, through to SARS in 2003, to, through to the, the, uh, the, the great uh, um, recession in um, the financial crash in 2008, um, the, the blows to this economy have been relenting, and that sapped the momentum, it sapped the hubris, it sapped self-confidence in Hong Kong very profoundly. The rest of the world sort of joined Hong Kong with those difficulties after the, uh, the crash in 2008, but we'd already been facing ferocious difficulties economically for a decade. And so a large, large part of our population has seen uh, earning stagnation for 20 years. Um, they've seen uh, job security undermined over that period. This is very fundamental uh, as a, as a deep-seated problem. If I'd grown up and were now 40 and had lived through 20 years of this, I would be very demoralized and very disappointed. Second point. Third point, this is a profoundly unequal society. And uh, that, that difficulty that so many have faced has been painfully contrasted with the continued affluence of the super-rich in Hong Kong. The fourth factor, perhaps the most important, is leadership ineptitude. And um, that isn't simply in the administration where the extradition bill mess uh, was an absolute classic in this handling of, of, of uh, uh, deliberately shooting yourself in the foot, basically, but also in, in the LegCo that has resisted focus on substantive issues really quite systematically over many years. Combine those together and you have all the ingredients for an extremely stressed uh, society. There's, there's no question that among, if you look at the most livable cities or the happiest cities and all those happiness indexes that come out um, uh, that, uh, that show um, the, the Finns and the Den Danish uh, are very happy, Hong Kong ranks right down. Um, this is a very ferociously distressed society, um, and uh, unhappily, uh, it exploded um, uh, with the with the street violence and so on last year. Um, and I think those that are commenting earlier are quite right to say that even though that violence has been suppressed by the the awfulness of the pandemic recession, um, it hasn't gone away, and um, it's uh, it's going to be an issue that. Uh, uh, stays with us. If, they, if, there is a, if there are people in government who think okay. the problem has gone away, then they're being very, very, very complacent. Okay, uh, our number is 233-88266. We'll call on the line now. Dave, I think. Dave, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I have a question for, uh, for Kent Ewing. Yeah. I, I read your article in the Hong Kong Free, Free Press, and, and it, it just made me laugh. You've already been paid to publish your book, uh, and if you really, really wanted to publish it after the publisher dropped out, if, if you call yourself a reporter, you get on the Internet and find yourself a graphic designer to complete the layout. 
and then you publish it yourself online. And you've got the vehicle of the Hong Kong Free Press and presumably a wider following with which you could market and sell your book, and then your book can get out there. Okay, let's ask Ken. So why don't you stop whining about it and do something about it yourself? Well, I think he said he was planning to publish in Taiwan, but let's go back to Ken Tiyun. Yeah, well, and also there's some complications, like uh, Form Asia owns the rights to the book, so we've got to negotiate that. You can't just take a book and reproduce it online you didn't when mention it's already that in been your purchased article, by a you? publisher. Did you, did you mention that in your article? That wasn't the thing you highlighted. The thing yeah, you highlighted was... Anyway, okay. I'm trying to publish the book, and I think the book is going to be published. Dave, are you worried about, do you feel that the book has been censored? Is that a concern to you? How do you feel about that? that, that that's, that's, a, that's a wider issue, and that is a concern to me. It, it, it is a concern, but then you have to realize that the, 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 the fantasy about one country, two systems was just that. It was a fantasy. And people in Hong Kong uh, um, think that the needs of Hong Kong supersede those of the nation. It was always about the two systems, two systems, two systems, forgetting that there's 1.3, 1.4 billion people across the border who can't even look at Google and don't get Facebook. So I, I think that this push for five demands and not one less uh, um, just pushed just push the CCP too far. Mm. So you're saying that one country, two systems was always a fantasy. Is that what you said? It, 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 it was never, it was never, it was always, it was never going to work out the way we wanted to in Hong Kong, the way we dreamed about elect, directly elect, uh, electing the chief executive and directly elect, uh, electing all the legislative council. Notwithstanding the fact that he says that's what he says in the basic law. People write things in treaties all the time, my friend. It's a treaty and a contract is something that is uh, 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 something people agree upon at the moment. Once circumstances change, contracts are irrelevant. Mm. Okay, David, many thanks for your call. Uh, 233-88266 is our number. D no, I would, let me just say, once yeah. things change, contracts should be kept. Okay. <laughs> that is the general, general <laughs> view. Uh, so speaking as a lawyer, that uh, contracts, you, you, sign, you sign a contract, you're bound D by it. D David Dodwell, well, I mean... Dave, what are you talking about? Okay, okay, he's, he's gone now. So okay, <laughs> okay Dave, David Dodwell, you know, with, with one country, two cents, was, was that ever going to work? Um, I'm just thinking, you know, Alan Zeman was talking about, well, you know, it hasn't been tried in other places. Well, of course, you do have levels of autonomy in, in different regions. Um, you, you actually have that, you have arrangements, similar kind of arrangements all over the world. What you don't have is such a kind of contrasting uh, polities so that you have a highly authoritarian uh, uh, country and then you have a uh, this, you know, liberal enclave or you want to call it in hong kong and it's the clash of those which uh is, is most striking and, and kind of unique i guess in in hong kong but maybe it's not going to work maybe that's just it won't work uh, beijing w works in such a different way that it's they are simply incompatible um i wouldn't agree i think actually uh and this is probably heretical uh, one country two systems is uh, hopefully going forward alive and well. Um, uh, and the Chinese uh, are, I think, quite anxious to respect uh, both the spirit and the letter of one country, two systems, not out of any sympathy for the, demo the, the, the uh, democratic ways we have here, but out of simple self-interest. There a great deal uh, of um, uh, China's uh, economic uh, uh, 
prosperity. Um, it's uh, future economic prospects rest on the difference. There are absolutely thousands of mainland companies that sit here operating their international businesses from here that could not operate if Hong Kong was not a separate system. And um, uh, the, the Chinese in no circumstances want to undermine that. Um, I, I think that the uh, I believe that they stepped in at the end of the day um, with the security law this summer, alarming all of us quite reasonably, um, more in sorrow uh, than in anger. Uh, at the end of a long period where our own administration had simply failed to, to move uh, on, on an issue that had to be um, addressed. Um, so um, uh, I pray, and uh, the evidence is not clear yet on, on this, it'll see we'll need some time through the court systems to see whether there is going to be respect for the independences that we value most here. But um, uh, I, uh, I hope and expect that, that what we have had in process over the last six months is the establishment of a fence where there was no clarity over, over a fence. And with good fences, good neighbours can engage each other. Um, and uh, I, uh, I believe that um, the confidence that uh, the business community and, uh, and, and others feel in uh, Hong Kong's future rests on um, a, a hope that that is how uh, all the dust will settle over a, over a 15-month period. As I say, the jury is out on that at the moment because we need to see whether or not uh, the new security law and those trying to, to define it um, uh, do uh, draw a, a clear line which respects the independences that are critical uh, to us. If they fail to do that, then we need a, to revisit the confidence that I seem to imply now. Okay. Th thanks very much indeed, Mr. Uh, just Sorry, because I, I know you're, you're very uh, accurate and you're very <laughs> meticulous and, and well-informed and everything. So I'm, I'm really curious about you when you say that um, all the data shows that a plurality, a majority of people in, in, in Hong Kong would side with the pro-establishment rather than the pan-democrats. Can you, uh, what can you think of an election that might demonstrate that? Because I, I, I scratch my head to think of uh, an example well, of that. Uh, honest, I, I, I may have uh, slipped the data. I sat down with, uh, with uh, Paul Zimmerman about six months ago, because I don't track this data in detail uh, on a day-by-day -day basis, and he walked no, through that. No, to be and fair, it's a commonplace. I'm sorry, no, it's a commonplace that in, in every election and in every survey since, uh, pretty, pretty much every survey since 1997, the, the Democrats have had a popular advantage. Um, I'm very uh, surprised you think yeah. otherwise. Well, um, you may, as I say, you may be right. I, I, uh, it may be that I flipped 55, 45, but the, the, uh, and for that I apologise. But um, uh, even with uh, 45, 55 the other way, the point is we have a fundamentally bifurcated economy. There is no Hong Kong people. Um, the differences uh, between those two communities are not reconciled at the moment mm. and not reconcilable um, any more than the differences uh, uh, that exist in the UK between the Remainers and the Leavers on Brexit. Okay. Um, 
And um, I think that's the critical point here, not the exact right. number. Okay, so the needle hasn't moved over 20 years on that. Sure, sure. Okay, uh, Magnus says on David Dodwell's point, these are emails, absolutely correct, read 20 years of stagnation. The question is why? David mentions all of the problems that Hong Kong experienced from 98 until the world crisis began with the GFC in 2008. Yes, lots of problems, but also huge benefits brought during that 10 year period by a surging China. Surely more than enough to balance the difficulties. The 10 years bought stagnation reflects terribly on our administration here in Hong Kong. They utterly squandered a position that was the envy of the world, i.e. being the conduit to a surging population of 1.4 billion people. Uh, and uh, Dan says, I would be happy to debate Alan Zeman any place, any time regarding the demise of democracy in the USA. He's 100% wrong. But what about Hong Kong? Is it not our fault? Was it not our responsibility to enact on national security law under the democracy granted to us? Sadly, we and our democracy failed to get it done, leaving Beijing with no choice but to do it for us. That comes uh, from uh, Dan. And Alan says, regarding publishing uh, publication censorship, Kent is, of course, not the only victim. A publisher I work with says, print Printers will not print any book that even mentions Tiananmen Square in passing. White terror is very real. Your host saying that you are allowed to write and publish is obtusely missing the point. If printers and bookshops are afraid to touch it, you have a very effective censorship, while the government can blandly deny there is any censorship at all. Rule by fear, not rule by law. Thank you very much indeed uh, for that uh, comment. Uh, let me just squeeze in. All the emails coming in the last moment. Uh, before we go. Uh, Mike says it was a joint declaration, not a treaty. Uh, Andrew says another Person of the Year nominee, uh, freelance RTHK producer Choi Yuk Ling, whose Hong Kong Connection documentaries in- investigated uh, Yun Long clan. Uh, and uh, Mushroom says, well, if this security system is forcing people to leave Hong Kong, why isn't property going down. Thank you very much indeed for all those comments and thank you very much indeed to our guest this morning, to David Dodwell there, Executive Director of the Hong Kong APEC Trade Policy Group, Kent Ewing, author of the On the Front Line uh, and uh, writer at uh, the Hong Kong Free Press. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for uh, joining everyone. Uh, Danny, many thanks to you. The weather before we go, many cloudy, rather cool in the morning, dry with sunny intervals during the day. Actually, we won't be speaking to Danny again. Yeah, Merry until, Christmas, everyone. Well into see, the new see year. you in the new year. <laughs> uh, maximum temperature today about 18, I'm sorry, 19 degrees, 15 degrees now. Humidity is at 73%. To prevent pneumonia and respiratory tract infection, always keep hands clean and wash hands for at least 20 seconds. Put the lid down before flushing. Add water to U-traps regularly. Cover your mouth and nose with a tissue when sneezing or coughing. Wear a mask and seek medical advice promptly if unwell. Fully cover your nose, mouth and chin with a mask. Visit chp.gov.hk to learn more. 935, the news now with Samantha Butler. Two pro-Beijing lawmakers say the government's $5.5 billion relief package for businesses affected by the latest anti-epidemic measures doesn't go far enough. LegCo is expected to vet the package on Monday.